listening to Wednesday Afternoon Music on WIOX.
Peter Gabriel from his first album, Here Comes the Flood. We also heard Slow Burn. And excuse me from that same album. This is Dan O'Connell. Thanks for listening. So it's been Wednesday afternoon music. I'll be back uh, Monday at 10. From the Forest comes up next. Going to close with a live performance from 1982 of Peter Gabriel doing his tribute in memorial to Stephen Biko. Thanks for listening.
WIOX is supported by you and the following underwriters. Rick's Tire Service, family owned and operated on State Route 30 between Roxbury and Grand Gorge. Tires mounting and wheel balancing for cars, trucks, lawn, garden, farm, and construction vehicles. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday, 8 till noon. More information at 800 LG Tires. 800 LG Tires. The Slighter Agency on Main Street in Margaretville, a neighborhood independent insurance agency educating consumers about insurance decisions after a life-changing event, such as a marriage, divorce, death, a job-related change in benefits, and about coverage options. Open Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 5. More information at 845-586-2641 or sliteragency.com. Rockland Cider Works, upstate in Gilboa, an agritourism cidery with vacation rentals on a sprawling former dairy farm. New York State produced beer, wine, spirits, and gluten-free hard cider made from New York State apples and live music throughout December. Rockland Cider Works, upstate on Stryker Road in Gilboa. Details at rocklandciderworks.com. This is WIOX Roxbury wishing you a Merry Christmas and a peaceful and prosperous New Year and humbly asking for a year-end donation. As always, your support keeps our community, your community radio station on the air with wildly diverse live and local entertainment and information. And it couldn't be easier to make your tax-deductible year-end donation at WIOXradio.org. Just click the Donate button. In the spirit of the holiday season, your neighbors thank you. Thank you, neighbor. Thank you. 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 Oh, thank you. 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 Thank you.
Okay, you are listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM and MTC Cable Channel 20, 107.5 FM on the campus of SUNY Delhi and everywhere at WIOXradio.org on computers or smartphones. This is From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic with Ryan and John. John, how's it going? Things are good, Ryan. What have you been up to? What have I been up to? Well, i got a little house project going on at home, so my evenings have been tied up with that. But uh, I tried to get out a couple more times for another deer this last weekend and was not successful, but I had a lot of fun. What about you? I just got back from uh, Florida for 10 days. How was Florida? The beach is nice. I like, you know, I can't, can't complain about the beach. It was, uh, you know, just a few days ago I was walking barefoot on the sand and uh today we're walking across the the sandy snow (laughs) yeah that's right (laughs) you missed the first winter storm here at home yeah i I guess so because uh we didn't really get it in central ulster county but i could hear the stream ripping so it tells me some kind of precipitation filled yeah so it rained what you missed is it rained a lot yeah i don't know well over an inch maybe two inches and then quickly switched to snow and then ice and then all of that stuck to the trees yeah and a lot a lot of problems with trees coming down in yards. I see a lot of damage in people's yards, included bark, you know, all that low crotch stuff that we talk about all the time. Those trees split apart. A lot of uprooting, uh, classics, you know, the white pine, um, the uh, the birches in the yard, um, things like that. When I drove around, I saw all the problems. Plus, my uh, friend works for the power company, so all night long he was yeah. sending me photos of whatever he was dealing with on the power lines. I, I, we must have lost power because... I can tell by my oven. Yeah, I uh, think most people clock, did. Yeah, a lot of people. A few did. hours, which is by me not surprising. I, I always lose power, so. But well, that's what happened this last week here. Yeah, um, got some hunting in before Florida, and um, got some deer. So another hunting season in the books for me. You know, I don't. I probably won't go out again for uh, late, late uh, bow. Yeah, I don't know. I have no days scheduled in for it, but if I find a chance, maybe I'll try one more time. There you go. Well, uh, tonight's topic is Robson's Christmas Trees with Gary Robson, and uh, Gary is in the studio. It's been a while since we had someone in the studio. We've had a lot of call-ins. How are you doing, Gary? Very good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, I think earlier you said it had been eight years since I had been here. I, I would have thought three or four but time goes quickly no way yeah it was much longer yeah um we've been doing the show since since 2010 and uh i think you were on sometime around yeah 2014 maybe 13 14 believe it or not and we're still doing it yeah we're still growing christmas trees we're still doing it so so first of all uh you know where do you live and how and how did you get into this christmas tree stuff I still live in Bovina. I was born in, in Bovina, and um, uh, long story made short, my grandfather in the 40s bought the property, which uh, he used to supplement his bigger farm down the valley. So that the farm now is, uh, the, the total acreage is around 110 acres. And uh, on the way over, I was thinking of the, a little history. My grandfather bought it for $2,500 in the 40s, and now our taxes are approaching around 7000 a year. Um, yeah. So uh, it went from my grandfather to my parents and then to us. And in the 50s, my parents started planting um, 
evergreens, I think through the conservation office, which were typical at that time of uh, tons of uh, Scotch pine, unfortunately, and Norway spruce. And the Norway spruce are still thriving and quite large. And the, uh, as you, I'm sure you know, the uh, Scotch pine um, don't thrive or, or don't do so well. Disease and they're soft and they break, so they're not making lumber. But the the Norway spruce should at some point. Yeah, yeah, Scotch pine. They always seem uh, they always seem like poor quality uh, around here. I read somewhere once that there were 250 varieties of uh, Scotch pine, and whatever we have, it wasn't a good one. <laughs> but they were kind of quick and right. easy to grow. Uh, we planted a few when we took over in the. Uh, early 80s and um, they were pretty healthy the only, but the only bug problem I ever saw was I think they're called sawflies and they would move through the field and eat all the uh, needles off the tree but they were pretty easy to control um, so we stopped planting those a long time ago and stopped planting the Norway spruce a long time ago also okay um, so how many acres do you have in about we have um, right now we have three acre three fields with maybe four acres each um, and uh, 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 there's a lot of things to live and learn as you do this um, as we transition to fir trees, the deer love to eat the fir trees, so then it involved fencing those four fields in. Um, we have mostly fir trees, and they don't eat concolor, but they love to eat the other fir trees. And, and concolor is is a, is that a white fir? White fir. Yeah, they don't. Then they don't eat those at all. Uh, we haven't seen um, the deer eat those, but they are they're native to the west, and they're apparently not adapted to the fungus diseases that we have here. So, at, at the first few years, they did great. Um, growth rate was good. Um, but then uh, the interior or older needles would brown and fall off from being infected with various kinds of fungus diseases. So we we only have very few of those now. So uh, what's um, what tree do you have mostly then? We have mostly Fraser fir and balsam fir. Okay. The, the and deer, they do well. They do well. Um, balsam fir. Um, can handle quite a few different kinds of soil uh, compared to the Fraser fir. And Fraser fir like um, drier, well-drained soil, which some of our fields are and some aren't. Like the tops of our field might be drier and do okay, but the uh, the bottoms of the field or where there's channels of moisture moving through the field, they have uh, some of the trees will get a uh, fungus disease called Phytophthora, I think it's called, and that's in the in the soil. So that would be uh, there's basically no treatment for that, and that's something that's spread throughout the Christmas tree industry. Wow. When did that start? Do you know? Um, I don't actually yeah. know where it started. The Fraser fir are native to the mountains in western North Carolina, and my hunch is that it might be drier there, or the the soil is better drained. Um, but because Fraser fir grow so nicely and look so good, they became very popular, and people are trying to grow them everywhere. Um, but wh when I look back through uh, uh, some history, or if you Google Fraser fir and Phytophthora, you'll see articles about it 10 and 15 years ago, too. 
Okay. Part of it is um, the first time you plan it, called a rotation, you know, from zero to ten years, for instance, um, they can uh, squeak through without getting it. But the second and third rotations, meaning, you know, the 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 field is cleared and you're replanting, that would be the, a second rotation and, and a third. So now we're on the third rotation, and um, I think it gets established in the soil, and it's there ready to uh, infect for your next rotation. How, how common are Christmas tree farms in uh, the Catskills, Delaware County? Not too common in Delaware County. I think I should go... Uh, there's some larger Christmas tree farms, I understand, in the southern Catskills and uh, Hudson Valley area. And then as you get to Utica and Syracuse in western New York, there's some bigger, larger farms. Pennsylvania has a number of large farms. And as I was looking up things to uh, get ready for the show, I see that New York, I think, is fourth in the country for Christmas trees, uh, Christmas tree farms. Oh. The big ones being, I think, Oregon and Washington. Yeah, that's what I've read. Yeah, I'm always surprised when I see that. Me too. Yeah. Um, North Carolina makes a lot, grows a lot, and Pennsylvania grows a lot. Yeah, you think they would have like uh, fungal issues in Washington State and in Oregon, but I don't know. I, I don't know if they're doing it on the dry side or the wet. I have no idea. That's true. I don't know, um, and I don't know what trees they're growing. Uh, probably Douglas fir. I hear something called uh, Shasta fir. Yeah. Um, I just know we've had, we'll probably get to it later in the show, but we've had experiences with a number of fir trees from the West that look great, but they didn't, they didn't survive the fungus diseases we have here, besides just concolor. So why do you feel that there's a gap here in the Western Catskills in Delaware County? You know, um, think it's a soils and hard to grow issue or just no one found the market like you did? I don't know if it's market or, um, you know, many farmers are set up with the land and equipment to have Christmas trees, but it just wasn't something that they did. Um, um, I don't have an answer. I don't know why there aren't more. Um, I, yeah. I do know, uh, the, the few I do know, it's older people such as ourselves. So sometimes the youngsters don't want to take it over, too. It's, it's a lot of work, and they're off doing other things. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Um Land tenure is kind of low, and Christmas trees take how long to harvest? I mean, eight to twelve. Yeah, a lot of people aren't patient enough for that. You know? A number of people are interested in growing, and will say, you know, ask me a few questions, and I'll help them where I can. But when they ask how long does it take, and I say eight to twelve, their eyes kind of gloss over, and they lose interest at that point. It's, it's just a long time. Yeah, to maintain. Huh. So you mentioned you had to put up a deer fence. Um, what's that look like? What product and how big? Yes. Um, the deer fence, I think, took, a, took us a while to learn how to um, get it right for us. We initially put up an eight-foot mesh fence around one of the fields, and that was it's lasted well. It's uh, about a two-inch mesh of uh, black plastic. It's still strong with a, a cable, eight eight feet up around the fence, around yeah. the field. Um, it worked good for the first year or two. Uh, then a deer learned to lift it up and walk under it. Okay. Uh, so then we put an electric fence uh, adjacent around the bottom, and that's been pretty successful. That field is also better protected because it has stone walls and brush around it, so the deer aren't so likely to 
jump somewhere where there's a stone wall because they don't yeah. want to get hurt. The other fields are in the open. Um, so um, I, I guess from the Internet, because I had never seen it anywhere, we use a, a two layers of electric fence. So I don't know if you've heard of this. Um, so it's only four feet high, so they can easily jump eight to ten feet. So the height isn't the issue. So there's um, three strands of electric fence up to four feet high. And then a yard out from that, another strand that's 24 to 30 inches high. And they say the depth of the uh, that structure confuses them and they won't jump it. That and it's uh, electric. So we have three um, different yes. chargers. Um, and they each put out Five to 6,000 volts, which sounds like a lot, but it's low amp, so it hurts, but it won't uh, hurt the deer or hurt me if I should touch it, which at all costs, I avoid touching that. Um, <laughs> so that's been surprisingly effective, but it's a lot of maintenance to keep it going. Yeah, that's my next question. It's, it's probably be... miles of wire that we have up because of the, there's basically four strands around each field. Right, wow. And the expense of the chargers and the fence posts. So, yeah. but that's solved your issue mostly. It's the last four winters. It's five winters. It's been very good. Yes, very successful because they'll just devour the Fraser fir, and if the, if it's a bad winter, they'll eat the balsam too. Hmm. But uh, even on a good, a mild winter, they'll eat the Fraser fir. They pick the buds off, and then the tree's done growing. It might yeah. not die, but you won't get any growth. We've talked about this on the radio show in the past, but there are some areas in the Catskills where they will browse Norway spruce. Oh, I've never heard of that. Yeah. Not in Delaware County, really. I didn't know anything yeah. would eat Norway spruce. Yeah. Except... Um, yeah, they're really starving then. We wait, found I, it in a couple instances. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did see them once on a long time ago. We had some scotch pine, and I think the deer were yarded up in heavy snow, and they ate everything, the, the buds and the needles off a few scotch pine. It's crazy. But there's not much nutrition in it for them. Yeah, no kidding. Um, well, you know, so you've been doing this for, for how long again? We just finished year 41. So what what has changed, like, the most, both uh, from people that visit the farm to mm -hmm. just the business, maybe? Uh, the variety of trees. Um, I, I think growers grew Norway spruce and scotch pine, and that, so that's what people were used to buying. And then uh, the fir trees, people learned that fir trees are softer, easier to handle, and smell good. So the, the demand changed to that, so we switched to that. Along with that, they're harder to grow, they, uh, fussier to grow. Animals eat them. Yeah. We have to fence them in. Um, so that's changed. Um, when my, you know, sometimes people will come and say, oh, I see prices of trees have have gone up. And I uh, I say to them, yeah, my father, when he was doing it, used to sell them for $2.50 on our front lawn. But, yeah, they've, they've, they've gone up. Yeah. Everything has gone up. Everything's gone up. Right. Um, we didn't have as many people come to the farm to choose and cut. So we used to take some to stores. Um, but as we've aged, uh, we've, we're not doing that now when we've been fortunate enough that people will come and choose and cut their own. Um, oddly enough, I, th one of the changes are 
well, there's people moving out of the area, there's people moving into the area. And we say a number of, you know, I call them youngsters because uh, they're half my age or less, um, have moved to the area either by themselves or with families. Fiber optic changed things a lot because yeah. now a lot of people can be here and work from home where they have a home here and elsewhere. So those people um, enjoy coming and getting a Christmas tree. That's a change for us. Yeah. It's definitely changed in the last few years, right? Five, sure. Four or five years. Yes. A lot of people have moved in. Sure. Um, find most people want to come cut their own tree, or do they have you cut it when they get there? Not, uh, not when they see my age. Uh, they, they now are uh, happy to cut it themselves. We provide saws. And, yes, most people aren't looking to come and get a pre-cut tree. And, actually, we didn't have pre-cut trees this year. Um, people are coming to pick a tree and, and cut it on their own and have that experience. Yeah, Usually fine. with, with uh, not just single people, but uh, a group of people, family, kids. Right. Yeah, people making an event. I mean, I, um, sure. just because I'm closer to Bells, I go to Bells and uh, people tailgate and everything. They, they tailgate at Bells. Tailgate? Oh, yeah. I, I haven't They throw the experience. football around, <laughs> part, <laughs> party it up a little bit. There's even a... Uh, get their cornholes out no there's a uh, well yeah i think there was people doing that one time but there's a food truck there i mean they really it, they really go to town it's yeah. like what is it? it's like so there's a new insight on the market trend for you <laughs> <laughs> um we we have uh the three fields and there's maybe 1400 in uh each of two fields and another probably 800 in so there's quite a few trees growing and it's pretty common to see people go through all three fields and look and there's plenty of good trees in each field but they want to spend time outside and uh, the experience of doing yeah. that do you have um, a minimum age or a size class that you'll sell um, meaning it has to be at least this old for your efforts to make sense and sell them that tree yes uh, good point um, it doesn't make sense for us to sell two or three or four foot trees because I wouldn't want to charge much for them because it, it it, it, that doesn't make sense. I wouldn't want to pay much money for a, a, a tiny tree. Uh, just, and because of that, it's kind of hard to get a tree established and growing to three or four feet. So once they, you know, we prefer that they are six, seven, eight, or nine feet. Um, because once the this tree gets bigger and the roots established, they're going to thrive and grow faster. Um, you know, a number of trees never make it the uh, the the first year with uh, either too little water or too much water. So, uh, uh, yeah, we uh, prefer six, seven, eight, nine, and not the small trees. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest. Tonight's topic is Robson's Christmas trees. John, you say something? No, I mean, I got a lot of questions as far as maintenance goes, but that's, I'm sure we're going to get into a whole topic on that soon, so I don't want to jump around too much. No? <laughs> Wait, I wanted to ask... Uh, we got to oh, learn go planning before we get into maintenance. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> what, real quick on pruning, because I feel like pruning has got to be... A, is that a lot of your work? Is it what? Pruning. Is it a lot of work? Yeah. Weeks. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I really want to... Weeks you know, and weeks. As someone who prunes apple trees and stuff... Um, you know, what's your, what are you looking for when you're pruning these Christmas trees? We During actually, and what time of year and stuff actually, like that? We have a few apple trees, and I don't have a clue of how to prune them. But, but 
Um, those are by our house, so I don't care if the, the deer come and eat all their apples. Um, the pruning, we have learned a lot about pruning over the years. Um, so we find it best to do it in August, September. Um, the, uh, the trees don't grow much at first, and then once they reach what's called a, an accelerated growth phase, they might grow from six inches to two feet. But if you let them, if you let that leader be much longer than one foot, there'll be gaps in the tree. So generally, once they hit uh, three feet, uh, we shoot for a leader that's maybe eight foot. And uh, the trick is to prune it to uh, a large bud at about the right height that's on the north side. Um, so it will curve and straighten up, uh, you know, to grow vertical again, and then remove the buds near, um, within two or three inches below that bud, because um, the the tree, I, I guess the hormones in the tree tell that bud that that's the leader, so that will grow up and the others out. So you take the terminal bud off? We, we, yeah, we have to take the, I well, if you could make an ideal uh, genetic line of Christmas trees, you would have them grow one foot each year so you didn't have to trim that terminal bud because that terminal bud has the one leader that's growing up and five or six that want to grow vertical. But if that terminal bud is a foot and a half or two feet, you have to clip it, but then you lose all that growth potential. But you have to do it, otherwise the tree's too leggy. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it's got to be a lot of work, pruning. It is a lot of work. Um, we have... Uh, um, let me jump quickly to uh, a, a trimming problem with a tree called Korean fir. And uh, so we didn't have a one field fenced in uh, uh, one year. And we called our nursery guy, who's since retired from western New York, and said, we're looking for a fir tree that the deer don't eat. And he said, well, try these Korean fir. I don't think the deer eat them. Well, uh, we planted them, and the deer really liked them so the deer <laughs> devoured those too but yeah. we like the, the foliage is really nice on the korean fir so we bought uh we planted several years worth of korean fir but the korean fir um the same trick doesn't work for pruning it because if you cut the terminal bud off the that bud that you think you're gonna trim to be the leader goes every direction but straight up it will grow at all kinds of angles. So that right. means tying that leader, tying the... Uh, Splinting it or once, something. Once it starts growing, getting a bamboo stake and tying to make that leader grow straight up. Yeah. But it's very nice foliage, and they don't seem to have the fungus and bug problems that other furs have yet. What, what do you think the percentage of your time and labor is devoted most, most to? Is it pruning? Or is it yes um, control or something else? Well, there's planting, f fence maintenance or construction, um, mowing. We mow with a bush hog and tractor three times each year to keep the bigger weeds and grass down. And trimming, it takes Mary Joan and I uh, weeks and weeks to do the trimming. <laughs> what yeah. time of year? Is that dormant season or during no. the season? Um, uh, 